You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. Joining me today is George Shahuri, analyst at Pro Football Focus, hosts the PFF Forecast Pod with Eric Eager, which has really strong algorithm, by the way, on my YouTube. Like, they always want me to watch the PFF Forecast, like almost before any other podcast, George. So I think they might know that you're also a 49ers fan, which is why I want to have you on the show. All your knowledge, all the data you're wading through daily at Pro Football Focus, plus a 49ers fan. And and I saw you anguish over the course of the month between when the 49ers <laughs> traded up to number three and made that draft pick. So I'm excited to talk to you today. Thanks for joining me. It's, uh, you know what it is, it's, it's blood is thicker than water and the YouTube <laughs> algorithm gets that. So it yeah. doesn't matter where in the world we are, it'll, it'll link us together. Absolutely. And if I'm not mistaken, help me out here because uh, I started a new diet trying to get back my summer bod, my pre-pandemic yeah. bod, which was already bad, but I want to get back to the bad place I started at. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I heard you say once that you work out not once but twice a day. And how was that for you with gyms being closed during the pandemic? Uh, well, it it can it was tough. I'll tell you this: um, my girlfriend almost let me out on the street after I tried to do that in her studio during quarantine. That that it was it was tenuous at times. Um, the way I do it is I try and get up pretty early and get a workout in early, and then do one more you know, during the day. And it just allows me more flexibility, you know, in terms of like schedule and stuff. Um, but uh, some may say I take it seriously. Uh, it's important. I prioritize it. And um, <laughs> it, uh, I'll, I'll say this, I'll say this. I have recently trimmed both of those workouts down a little bit to try and be more efficient. So I'm working on it. Okay, so you're getting more efficient, just as yeah. you advise NFL teams to do, right, with all the mm -hmm. data that you have at PFF. And I love one of the things I love about PFF, or anybody who does, does analytical stuff, and then when the NFL, who is, you know, there's still a lot of old school minds in the NFL, and you see how some teams operate, and you see people who look at the data all day sort of cringe, and then you see the sort of how those things come together sometimes with new ideas in the NFL and see how it moves along slower at a slower pace. How agonizing is it for you sometimes to watch how some NFL teams operate it well it's so funny man because look I I, I now work on the consumer side of things but when I started I, I started um, along with Eric Eager we founded the research and development department we went to the combine we met with every single NFL team all 32 NFL teams are our clients and we talked to them and you know you you understand what they use PFF for some are really advanced. They are using it to help make smarter decisions with player personnel, with how they draft, with how they trade, how they evaluate players. And some teams are still just using it to help them watch video. And that's a big disparity, man. Like, that's a huge disparity. And so there's a real edge out there for certain teams to make smart decisions. And that's why when I see a team make a decision like, you know, for example, taking a running back, nothing against running backs, by the way, in the first round, it, and I say to myself, well, I, that makes sense because, you know, like I understand their process a little bit. Um, so it's, it's a learning curve. The cool thing about it, though, is that there's an opportunity to be better as a franchise by using, you know, data to help inform decisions. And, and that's pretty cool. 
So did you not have to start off with like player participation? Because I did work at PFF for about a year and and most of what I did was charting routes and it was the Chip Kelly era, 2016. And it was like, okay, I got really familiar with what a mesh concept was. And it was like, oh, another Uh crosser. Okay, I'm going to chart another crosser here, I guess. And and by the end of the season, I was requesting not to be doing 49ers games. That's how bad that 2016 season was. (laughs) But when I really knew, I was like, you know what? I'm probably not going to do this a long time at PFF. And it was really fun. It was it was really cool to do. But player participation was one of the most mind-numbing things I was yeah. ever a part of. Eight to 12 hours doing a game, trying to just, and for, for those who don't know, player participation is like the first thing you start on, and it's basically who's on the field at all times. And you're trying to figure out with this, and I started doing, I think the first game I did was like, off of VHS. It was the yep. Eagles with Donovan, Donovan McNabb era trying, cause we were going backwards at that point, trying to chart what was happening before the PFF era. And that was so hard to try to figure out who was on the field because the, the camera view didn't show the entire, every player most uh, yeah. like a lot of the times. And then there was another game was like Washington in the all purple uniforms against yes. LSU. And I was trying really hard cause I was like, Oh man, uh, Jamal Adams is awesome. And then, oh, on the other side, oh, Buda Baker's awesome too. And I was like, okay, wait, hold on. I can't watch the players here. I've got to chart who's on the field and the all purple <laughs> uniforms were impossible. So I was like, oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine doing the player participation full time. Luckily, I got into doing some of the uh, like infographic stuff on the website and, and charting routes and stuff. But if you got to scoot in there at PFF and not do player participation, good on you. No, no. Look, dude, I, I, I did so much player participation here. Let me tell you what I did. I came in and I did the first, like, so the trial works where you've got to, you know, before you get hired, you got to do this, this player participant, you got to do like two or three games. And they tell you like, Hey, this might take you like 20 hours. And I was like, look, if I can't beat out, if I can't do this, you know, like I, I I can't live with myself. I got to be able to do this. (laughs) And no joke. It's like, you know, dark yellow numbers on black jerseys. You can't see anything. But I gritted through it, and what I told myself was I was going to get so good at it that any opportunity that showed up, I was going to be at the front of the line because I had you know, proved my worth in this respect. So uh, I did. Um, I was actually teaching calculus at the time when I started at PFF. And um, so I spent you know, nights, I think you know, eventually school got out, and I was like grinding during the summer. Um, and so as soon as an opportunity came up that was to do things other than data collection, I was in it. And really, you know, what I got to do was use, I have a math degree and like, I got to start, you know, using math and, and kind of show my worth there. But I did player participation. I recorded games. I did all route, um, tracking all the routes. Um, and I did that, you know, my first year I went, I was really, you know, I did everything I could, but so that. I didn't have to do it going forward because, you know, it it is a, it is a grind, man. Those guys absolutely put in work. I was lucky. I I had an opportunity to start working with um, one of the coolest things we do at PFF is we work with the NBC crew on both Notre Dame and Sunday night football. And because I was able to work with the data, I was able to create some really cool stuff for Sunday night football. And um, now it's actually something I still do. I'm on the headset every single Sunday night talking to, well, mostly listening to uh, Fred Gidelli, the executive producer, working with their graphics team, hearing Alan Chris off camera. And um, so th- that's, a, that's a really cool thing. And that was one of the awesome things about PFF was um, if you worked really hard, you know, there were opportunities mm-hmm. there for you. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a try. And, uh, 
and now here I am, which is uh, is pretty cool, man. And, and we're just getting started is what I tell people. I love it. I, I love the information there, and I found that it's much better for me just to pay for it and utilize the data that you guys collect, and, and I'll let everybody else do the work. But I love what you guys are doing. love the podcast, too, and you and Eric do a great job there. I want to talk a little bit about some betting odds that you guys do cover on the pod when it comes to the 49ers. Uh, I, I want to start quickly with Julio Jones, though, and it's seeming more and more imminent that he's going to be on the move. I think there was a Diana Rossini report I saw today that maybe a team offered a first rounder that might be the Falcons themselves putting that out there. Uh, Obviously, the 49ers don't have a first, so if that's where the price goes, they can't go there. But what do the odds say about where Julio Jones would go? Do you think he could end up a 49er? And how good of a landing spot is San Francisco for Julio and vice versa? Man, it's so crazy. Uh, I could not fathom giving a first for Julio Jones, not because he's not worth it. Julio Jones, for anyone out there that you know maybe only watches their team or doesn't watch you know a lot of Falcons games, Julio Jones is a top five wide receiver in the NFL, hands down. And you know, on any given day, he could be top one, two, or three. His availability has been a little bit of a question mark. He's banged up a lot. But this dude, you know, it's not like he's lost a step. This guy is still absolutely dominant on the football field. The problem is that because of his contract and because he said he wants out, the Falcons are in a corner. And so if you're a team looking to trade for him, you can say, look, yeah, he's, he's definitely worth a first rounder in terms of what I'll get for him on the field. But what I'm going to have to pay and for what the Falcons, you know, know about him, there's no way I'm giving anything close to a first. I'd give up a second for him, and I'd be excited about it. Um, and, you know, thinking about it's so hard. These markets show up where it's like, hey, odds, you know, to, to land Julio Jones. And a lot of it is really, you know, it's, it's first off, it's very speculative. Um, but it's also, uh, you know, a lot about, well, the limits are really small. So they're not super sharp lines you know if you're betting a game you know against the spread like millions of people are betting on it this here eh, people might bet 25 here or there but it's not you know a ton of of huge money what's interesting to me a couple teams that that show up here um the chargers and i'm looking there's a couple places that have them up i know DraftKings has posted them um the chargers being like plus seven plus eight hundred um, is interesting. I think they're a really good fit. Eric actually talked about it on, on the pod, uh, on the forecast. I think with Justin Herbert, it makes a ton of sense. Um, also with Keenan Allen, another guy there um, who can you know take away a little bit of the attention from Julio. Um, I would actually argue, though, I think that maybe Julio's best landing spot for him would be San Francisco. Now, I don't I don't know if that's really where Lynch and, and, and Shanahan want to go. I remember Shanahan saying a couple years back, you know, someone asked him, do you need a Julio Jones? And he said, no, you don't. You need a lot of really good receivers that you can put in different places. And that has shown up in his offense, you know, over the past couple of years. Um, so that gives me a little bit of pause. But I'll say this, Brian. If you look at what the 49ers have done, they've been really aggressive. They were aggressive in trading up to three. They were aggressive in re-signing Trent Williams. They, they, you know, John Lynch, and he was just on Chris Collinsworth's podcast, which ever it would, and he was great. He did not pull punches. John Lynch is awesome. Um, 
especially with a mic in front of him. He, he's an aggressive guy. So I think if they get the right price, I think they might, they might be willing to pull the trigger. I think it's the best spot for Julio. And by the way, Kyle Shanahan also said, if there's an opportunity to get a Julio Jones, you go get a Julio Jones too. Right, so, right. And we know how he loves his former players, and he did huge things with Julio Jones. The best offense he's run was when Julio Jones was his number one wide receiver. And the the crazy thing about Julio is that not only is he so big and fast, but he can run like the whip routes from the slot if you want to. And he can do all the small run after catch Shanahan stuff. He can get big down the field. He can block for you. He just does everything there is to do. How much does he have left in him? Lower body injuries, you know, feet and, and hamstrings and things like that. Will he break down? That's obviously a huge worry, but that's the only reason why he would be available. So if the price is right, you have to do it, in my opinion, for the 49ers. Especially, you know, this is why, and we'll, I'm sure we're going to talk about this in a second. This is why you have a rookie quarterback, okay? It gives you flexibility in other, in other positions mm-hmm. from a financial standpoint. Is Julio going to play for, I think it's like $11 million in a couple of years? Absolutely not. But that is, that is a future you problem, and that future you has Trey Lance playing quarterback on a rookie deal. Yeah. So that is, and I said this when Trent when they signed Trent Williams. So when they signed Trent Williams, I think they're trading up, or they're going after a rookie quarterback because that kind of a deal, that kind of a commitment to an offensive lineman, tells me they're expecting to have a pretty cheap player at another premium position, and that being quarterback. Um, I think that if Trey Lance is good, that offense with Julio, Debo, Ayuk. Kittle and that offensive line, uh, best a chance to be the best in the NFL, right there with the Chiefs and you know the Bucks and um, you know the Cowboys. I guess uh, how scary is that? I mean, that's like, insane. Yeah, four, it, that's insane. And there's so much talent with Trey Lance and so much promise, but it's like no pressure, young man. You know, either right. everybody loses their jobs or we're the best team in the NFL. Yeah, I <laughs> man, he um, you know, talk, he like lucked into it, right? Like everyone talked about that. You know, whoever goes to the 49ers has this amazing opportunity. But now you hear that and you go, oh, everyone thinks I'm supposed to have this amazing opportunity. I better not mess this up. <laughs> right, exactly. More on Trey Lance, the process that led the 49ers to him, what they will look like with Lance running back room now depth chart there who will lead the Niners in carries and what about wins Super Bowl chances for the 49ers in 2021 next with George Shahuri. bet online is the fastest easiest way to bet on all your sports action baseball season full swing there's something there all season long all summer long to bet on but we've got NHL and NBA playoffs happening those are Always super fun to bet on as the summer gets started. UFC, MMA action, we've got golf tournaments, we've got horse racing. There's no end to things. You can bet on at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop, mobile device, check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information reality tv award shows you name it don't sit on the sidelines anymore this is your chance to get in the game as teams are in their playoff runs head to the website or use your mobile device sign up today betonline.ag to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit use promo code locked on that's promo code locked on for 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts 
Another aspect of this, and, and I do want to talk a lot about what John Lynch said with Chris Collinsworth on the podcast this week. How much of that rookie contract value did the 49ers give up by adding the other two first-round picks in future years and still holding on to Jimmy Garoppolo's salary for another year? Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, the, the cost was high. And, you know, you go back and you do a redux of the trade and you go, did they need to trade up, you know, that high? And I would make the argument that I would rather have had Justin Fields at 11 than gone all the way up to three mm-hmm. to get Trey Lance. Now, obviously, I have less information about Trey Lance than you know, Kyle Shane and John Lynch do, especially because he's only played a handful of games and has not played in a year. Um, the one time we saw him on the field, it actually wasn't very impressive. So there's a lot of information we don't have about him. Um, but you do give up, right? So those two first-round picks, you think about that, and you go, okay, well, those are opportunities to build around our young quarterback. We're not going to have those. So you need to have a plan in place and pick a player, this is a key thing, pick a player that you think has a chance to be great. Because he ain't, he ain't making up for those two first-round picks unless he is a top-five guy. Yeah. And that's, wh- that's why the Mac Jones stuff to me, Brian, I was always like, dude, if you are giving up two first-round <laughs> picks for Mac Jones, your team is going to be mired in mediocrity because he's not going to be a top-five guy. The Mac Jones stuff was so insane, and, and it never made any sense all along. And I know you guys were going crazy about it, and, and a lot of fans were. And there, But there were some people in the media that were so adamant. And it was like, how could your process lead you to that? It doesn't make any sense. It has to be a player that could potentially be that top of the the NFL yeah. heap in quarterbacks like a Trey Lance or Justin Fields. And I agree with you. Uh, obviously, Trey, uh, Justin Fields at 11 would have made you know a lot more sense to me. Not only because I didn't think there was a big gap, and, and maybe it turns out there is a big gap in those guys, but just the the opportunity to go up to number three. And it was interesting, John Lynch said uh, on that podcast with Chris that they didn't even want to consider going up to pick six, which I thought was mm-hmm. kind of crazy. They're like, well, we talked to three, we talked to four, we talked to the Bengals at five. We didn't want to go lower than that. And I was like, geez, okay. So I, I think in some respects they might have missed – judged the the quarterback market from teams because I think there's a pretty good chance that even Trey Lance would have been there for him at number six but obviously they didn't want to press that they thought it was worth it giving up all those picks so now Trey Lance just has to be great yeah you know and and it's always tough like look I'm a Niners fan I grew up in Menlo Park Um, you know I I, I love the Niners but I, I try I think it's important and I'm sure you deal with this all the time like to be you know to be try and be like even-minded about this you know Mm -hmm. and um understand both the position of the gm and your position as a critic and you know because that's that's we are at the end of the day right we're critiquing some of these moves and in the heat of the moment if you're sitting there and you're going we need to win a super bowl in san francisco we need a great quarterback and we don't have one we missed out on tom brady we're not going to get aaron Rodgers. Um, what's our avenue to do this? And you go, well, we got to draft a great quarterback. And you go, okay, there's four of them in this draft, maybe. We better, ha- we want to have the choice of the one that we like. You go, okay, well, I can't get jumped by someone. Imagine if I traded up to six and then someone jumps me to go to three. 
that to me was what happened in John Lynch's mind. Mm -hmm. Because you hear John Lynch talk, you look at all of his moves. John Lynch is, for better or for worse, a guy that is going to take chances. (laughs) And he's going to make moves that support Kyle Shanahan, right, and his and his abilities, and I think that's what this was. Now, is it easy for me and you sitting here to go? Yes, I would have preferred Justin Fields at eleven, or I would have moved to six and taken whoever fell to me. Absolutely, and I think he can be criticized for that fairly. Um, but I think it's also important to recognize that in his shoes, we may have made the same move and been criticized, you know, fairly for it as well. Um, and, and you're dead on. This just puts more pressure on that player to reach their top end. Um, and I think maybe that's why they took Trey Lance, Brian. Like, you look at Justin Fields and you go, okay, we have a fairly big sample size of Justin Fields. And Justin Fields is amazing. He's the most accurate thrower of the football downfield. He's an incredible athlete. He's tough as nails. Um, despite what some people have said, it appears that he actually does work hard. Um, I was joking that like someone has been monitoring his phone and he hits snooze five times before he gets out of bed. Um, when some of those rumors are coming out, but the one thing that, that he does not do well is he holds onto the ball for a long time. Almost 50% of his under pressure dropbacks resulted in either a scramble or a sack. That's a massive number. And the, the reason for that is he's just he holds onto the ball for a long time. And we know that's fairly consistent from college to pro and at the pro level over the course of the years. And that is something that often is overlooked is really important. Sacks are terrible. Um, the ability to get rid of the ball quickly, to identify blitzes and to beat blitzes is consistently what great quarterbacks do. Dak Prescott is one of those guys who I think you know, uh, people have been talking a lot about he does that. Tom Brady always does that. Drew Brees, when he was at his prime, always did that. Peyton Manning did that. Patrick Mahomes does that better than any other player in the NFL short of Tom Brady. He destroys the blitz. Um, and I think that you look at Trey Lance and you go, yeah, I know less about him, but that also means that his ceiling is higher. And I think that's why they went with Trey Lance over Justin Fields. Yeah, you mentioned Drew Brees there. Uh, he's Drew Brees as a thrower and he is <laughs> Lamar Jackson as a runner, right? As, as yeah. Kyle Shanahan wanted all along. I look and, and I mean, here's the other thing that I'll mention. I thought the running component for both those guys was massive. And I de- you know, being able to make smart decisions in the quarterback run game is going to be massive. And so I think that's why with either of these guys, you have a potential in this offense I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but you have not seen with a Kyle Shanahan offense Mm -hmm. since RG3 in Washington, right? Um, And these guys, all of them saddled with these like guys that are mediocre to slightly above average quarterbacks and not great athletes. And so this is going to be this is going to be a fun experiment to watch. Whether it works out or not, it's going to be fun. And RG three too, for all his you know speed and arm strength and everything, I don't think he was as polished even as uh, Trey Lance, who only played one year at the FCS level. I would plug, I would feel better about plugging Trey Lance into an offense early than the way RG three played, just because his style of play and sort of his bi- biomechanically, he was just an odd athlete, very straight lineish, and it didn't look as fluid as Trey Lance does. So we saw what RG three did. 
as a rookie with Kyle Shanahan, now less of the league was ready for a running quarterback at that point in time, but that makes you really think that maybe Lance could play earlier than expected. Yes, and you look at, I was just looking at this earlier, so they're um, DraftKings, I think it's still up, you can find um, the uh, week one starting quarterback odds. And, you know, these are for rookies and incumbent um, uh, veterans. And, you know, so there's a couple there. So the Patriots, Cam Newton's minus 280, Mac Jones plus 275. Jimmy G, uh, minus 278, Trey Lance plus 220. Andy Dalton, minus 250, Justin Fields plus 200. Um, there's also a Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill one. I'm not going to even mention that. Um, if the Bears don't start Justin Fields, th- that city is going to <laughs> – uh, there's, you know, the Chicago fire is going to be back again. Um, like that, they've got to start Justin. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think the Mac Jones, Cam Newton one is very interesting because, um, if there was ever a time that Cam Newton was going to be motivated to beat someone out, that would be it. The Jimmy G Trey Lance one is fascinating to me because if you get to week one and Trey Lance is not at least starting to be clearly the best option at quarterback. I think I'd be a little worried. Um, and I would expect that he becomes the best option at quarterback pretty early on. And the reason for that is the running. That is That, to me, opens up the offense in a way that makes it potentially top three. With Jimmy G, I think the best that offense can be is, you know, top seven, eight. And I think if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, you know, you've got to be you've got to be striving for top five. So I would expect to see him in there early. I'm of the mind that you put the guy in as soon as he's, you know, ready. And people look at the Chiefs and they go, oh, no, no look, they sat Mahomes. And I go, yeah, maybe they missed out on a Super Bowl because they sat Mahomes. Um, because it, <laughs> yeah, like right. Mahomes, I, I've said this a couple of times. I, I don't know if um, this is common knowledge at this point, but. That year that Mahomes was a rookie, the Patriots and the Chiefs opened up the season on Thursday night. And I have uh, a habit from a little birdie that the, um, the New England Patriots prepared for Patrick Mahomes. Because when they watch preseason, they go, there's no way they're not starting this guy. He's so much better than Alex Smith. Um, wow. So, you know, the narrative of he sat behind Smith and that's why he's great. Come on. You know, use both sides of your brain here. Like... Maybe it helped him in some ways, but the reason Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes is because he's freaking great and he works his butt off. Like, that's it, you know? And he could have been great as a rookie um, as well. So I don't know that I'd bet Trey Lance to... Uh, I'd probably bet Justin Fields right yeah. now if I had to bet one of these. I do think there's incentive for the Niners to start Garoppolo that the Bears don't have with Dalton. So I think Garoppolo ends up taking snaps week one, but man... I from that first snap onward, I would be on Trey Lance watch. All eyes will be on Trey Lance, but there's another rookie in town, Trey Sermon. What about his odds for rookie of the year next? We'll finish up with George Shahuri. Got a new diet, trying to get back into shape, and something that always fits into any diet I'm trying to do can give me energy throughout the day, can be a little snack, can be a meal replacement if I need it to be, high in protein, low in sugar, that's the key, it's what you're looking for in a healthy snack, and you can find them at BuiltBar.com. High protein, low sugar, low calorie snack, you can feel good about and taste fantastic. No skimping on flavor when it comes to Built Bar's They're the best tasting protein bar on the market, but they are healthy too, which is exactly what I have a feeling you're looking for. 
And if you're not sure exactly which flavor to try or you haven't tried them all and you just want more flavors, build yourself a box of Built Bars or maybe find one of their limited edition flavors that can pop up at any time. Many bars have only 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs, even good for a keto diet. And best of all, you can save 15% using promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Just go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. The Justin Fields situation, I would definitely bet on that one. It's more like that Seattle when they signed, uh, who was it, Flynn? Was it Matt Flynn? Yes, Matt Flynn. Yeah, when Russell Wilson was rookie. And I think it'll show out in preseason games like, well, okay, well, we know who the best player is there. It's pretty pretty clear. With the 49ers, it's more difficult, and it's kind of like what we brought up earlier. It's easy for us to sit here and say what a team should do, but it's going to be a lot more difficult for Kyle Shanahan in the middle of a playoff run if the team is, you know, fighting for the the division lead after week 10 to plug in their rookie quarterback, even if he's ready. Yeah, that that's going to be the interesting one to me is let's say Garoppolo gets off to a decent start and they're kind of, you know, they're in, you know, they're there with the Rams and the Seahawks and the, Card- the Cardinals, who I think are, you know, that could be, could be pretty darn good this year. And they're in the thick of it and you go, okay, what's my goal here? And my, my thought Brian, and I'm curious if you have, you know, any other ways of thinking about this, but like mine is Jimmy G, you're going to have to either cut or trade. And at this point, it seems they've really dug their heels into pumping up his value and thinking about a trade. And my belief is that desperation will lead teams to make moves. And some team is going to, their quarterback's going to get injured. They're going to need to make a desperation move. And if Jimmy G has looked good, I a team will give up picks for Jimmy G immediately. And so I I do think that that's their goal. If no team bites and you're sitting there, do you eventually just go, okay, this was, we, we tried, we're giving up now. We're putting Trey Lance in that. That's what I'm going to be so fascinated to see. It's going to be fascinating to follow this whole process and and how many gray hairs Kyle Shanahan sprouts throughout all of this. And and my other thought with the Julio Jones thing, what if they ask too much for Julio Jones? Now, I don't know if they just have to trade him flat out to sign their picks and and can't go into the season without trading him. So that's one thing. But what if they are asking too much now? They, they want to win. The Falcons start the season with Julio Jones. Niners start the season with Jimmy Garoppolo. Then Trey Lance is ready. Falcons are losing. Maybe there's a, a deadline deal to be made where the 49ers move off of Garoppolo and there's some quarterback needy team that wants to trade for Garoppolo. Then the Niners can use some picks and go get Julio Jones before the deadline. That, that would be, that would cer- I mean, that scenario sounds amazing. Um, but I think it's, it's very rational. I think that Recouping a pick of some kind for Garoppolo gives you a little bit more ability to feel okay about bringing in Julio. And, um, and yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I don't know how dug in Julio is um, because the, the tough thing for Julio Jones is he is getting older. And, like, you don't – I think Aaron Rodgers could afford to sit out. I don't know, like – if Julio wants to do that, you know, that team I think will be very good offensively. I do think Matt Ryan is a good leader. So I'd be interested to see how much he really, you know, digs his heels in there. But I do believe there's no rush. You know, it's like, it's a lot. First off the season, as we know, doesn't even start till Thanksgiving. 
Um, but you know, you can be patient here with these things and, and still be really competitive down the stretch. So I, I like your line of thinking there. All right. We get, we're almost out of time here. Just a couple of rapid fire questions for you really quick here. Who leads the 49ers running backs in carries this year? And are you buying uh, uh, all of Trey Lance's or uh, Trey Sermon's stock right now after the Jeff Wilson injury? I am. Uh, I think it's going to be Trey Sermon. And I don't think you can get nearly as good of odds right now. It's 25 to 1 offensive rookie of the year. By the way, you're betting a Trey to an offensive rookie of the year. Don't bet Trey Lance at 6 to 1. I know it's enticing, but all of those guys at the top, those odds are just not great. Trey Sermon at one point was like 35 to 1. He's now 25 to 1. Hmm. But I do like it. I think he gets a ton of carries. And I think, look, especially, especially if Trey Lance comes in and plays. Trey Sermon could have an incredible year. I mean, an incredible year. Um, great offensive line, so many weapons. We know what a running quarterback does for running backs. Go to look at Baltimore and notice that Gus Edwards rushed for like almost six yards of carry. Um, so, yes, and I would probably still bet him at 25 to 1, even though you're not getting the best of that number. Last one here. What are the 49ers looking at right now? Is it still 10 and a half wins for the 49ers in the 2021 season, or did mm-hmm. the schedule release change that? And what about Super Bowl odds? Do you like either one of those? Yeah, so there, it's 10 and a half. It's been 10 and a half since they opened. Um, and it was, uh, people were a little less uh, excited about the over uh, to begin with. It was plus 123 when it opened over and minus 150 under. It's now plus 107 over and minus 130 under which is basically exactly what the rams are if i had to bet that i'm not betting it it's not one of the win totals that i would bet i would bet the under if i had to and this is not saying you know the niners are going to stink winning 11 games is hard i know there's an extra game i get that um it's going to be on the road by the way um this is an incredibly tough division the defense, you know, yes, you're getting Nick Bosa back 7-1 to one for comeback player of the year, which is a nice bet. Um, but it is going to be hard. And injuries happen and defensive regression happens. I will say this, though. I, I like the Niners better than the Rams. If you're thinking about, okay, people are really high on the Rams. And you look at Super Bowl odds here. And it, it, it is really incredible to me how high people. The Rams are 13-1. to one. They, they are tied with the Bills with the third shortest odds to win the Super Bowl. Now, the Niners are 14-1. to 1. I also think that's too high, but if you had to bet one of them, I would at least favor the Niners there. You get you know slightly better odds. I'll say this, though. If you're thinking about a bet in that division, the Seahawks are the underrated team here because they have an established quarterback, they have continuity on offense, and their defense, which has been so bad, you expect a little bit of positive regression. Whereas for the Rams, their defense has been so good. We know mathematically that's not very stable season to season. They lose Brandon Staley. Um, I, I might bet the – I've already bet the Seahawks at 3-1 to one to win that division. I think that's the bet you might be looking at. I have learned long ago you're not going to bet against Russell Wilson-led Seahawks. So definitely uh, I, I know where I stand on that one. The Rams is the one I struggle with. How much of a difference is Matthew Stafford going to make and does it make up the difference of losing Brandon Staley? You know, this is a tough one for people to stomach, but go, you know, Matt Ryan has been good. Sorry, Matt Stafford has been good. Never great. Um, And you can blame the Lions all you want. He's had really good receiving cores um, and has still been, you know, 
good, but not great. And so the difference between Matt Stafford and the better parts of Jared Goff from a production standpoint, there's not a huge one. So when the Rams go, Matt Stafford is our Tom Brady, I go, I'm sorry, come again? (laughs) Because there's a huge difference. And even Tom Brady struggled a little bit with the acclimation to everything that was going on in Tampa Bay. So I would pump the brakes a little bit. I would expect defensive regression uh, just on, even if Brandon Staley were still there, Josh Johnson was the guy, sorry, John Johnson was the guy that wore the green dot. He called the plays for, he was the extension of Brandon Staley on the field. He's in Cleveland. They are one injury away, as we saw in the Green Bay Packer game, from being a below average defense. So that would worry me a ton. Um, I would, I would, wait and let the Rams show me before I would invest in them, especially because you're not getting any good numbers because everyone loves them. Um, so don't, don't walk with the crowd. Be, you know, <laughs> be a smart watcher of football. Very good advice from George Shahuri. You can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore George. Find his podcast, the PFF forecast with him and Eric Eager. Uh, appreciate the time, George. Fantastic stuff, man. Anytime, brother. Talk later. Thanks again to George. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back Monday. Big news, a huge announcement that you are not going to want to miss right here, Locked On 49ers.